purpose is transforming the world of work and business. Those leading the way are values-based and people-focused leaders who see business as a force for good. Host Kevin Monroe explores how tapping into the power of purpose infuses your business with meaning and touches the lives of your employees while positively impacting the communities you serve. With the Higher Purpose Podcast, here's Kevin Monroe. Hey, it's Kevin, and I want to welcome you to this episode. I believe it's number 115 of the Higher Purpose Podcast. We're doing a solo episode today. Maybe we'll call it a Kev chat in the future, but I just want to sit down, have a conversation with you, a catch-up conversation. It's been two and a half months since I've done a solo episode of the podcast, and oh my gosh, so many things, so many things have happened in that time, and I want to share some of those. Not so much as just a catch-up, but really insights that I've garnered through this journey and share those with you and hopefully invite you into those insights and I hope they help you. I hope we can have a conversation about them and move this forward. But as we get started, let me just do something a bit corny and you know, I do corny sometimes and I was just sitting here and all of a sudden I heard this sound, you know, it's like, well, what was that? Well, that was the first nine months of 2019 passing. It is Tuesday, October 1st, as I'm recording this. We'll release it on Tuesday, October 8th. Can you believe it? That nine months of 2019 are now in the history books. And we've got three months left in this year. And then all of a sudden, it's the year 2020. That's going to be a little weird when we start writing 2020 on everything. Anyway, gosh, you know, I always start with gratitude. And this may be a protracted discussion of gratitude because there are so many things that I'm grateful for. So I'm just kind of in an overflow of gratitude. So let me just hit some of these and they will be somewhat random. And this whole episode of the podcast, I have a feeling I've sat here for an hour or so hoping to outline this or get my thoughts together. And I've been thinking about this conversation for a couple of weeks now. And I know some of you are going to say, really? You thought about this for a couple of weeks and that's what we got? That's what you produced? Well, it's just one of those times where I'm kind of jazzed up. Three weeks in a row of travel. We'll talk about that. There have been some amazing, amazing things happen. But let's start with gratitude. And I'm really curious, what are you grateful for in this moment? Right now, wherever you are when you're listening to this, pause and think about what am I grateful for today? So I've got several things, and in no particular order, in no particular order, just a couple of the highlights that hit me. I delivered two keynotes in the last two weeks. The first of those was in Portland, Oregon, and in a way, that was a dream come true. Why was that a dream come true? Because it was the most fun I've ever had speaking. And you want to know why? It was the most me I've ever allowed myself to be. I started thinking about this seven or eight years ago when I was doing a lot of consulting, government consulting, and I realized every time I had to suit and tie to do these events, and then before I would fly home, I'd go to the bathroom and I would change into blue jeans because really I am a blue jean guy and I live in a blue suit world a lot of the time. So I'd change into blue jeans. And one of the team members that was always running the administrative side of these events asked me something about this. I said, oh, I just hate wearing a suit when I travel. 
I hate wearing a suit most of the time, period. I would much rather wear blue jeans. You can ask my wife. We'll come home from a day and she'll say, don't you want to put on something comfortable? I'm like, honey, I've got on jeans. What's more comfortable than blue jeans? So I'd always wanted to wear jeans to speak is what I had told this lady. I said, one day I'm going to be delivering keynotes and I'm going to wear blue jeans. And, you know, they looked at me like, are you crazy? Because you have to wear a blue suit or some kind of suit to wear blue jeans. Well, in Portland, Oregon, I took the stage to talk about superheroes and superpowers, really about superpowers, but the superhero syndrome. This is something that originated here on the podcast back in episode 83 at the end of February this year. I talked about the superpowers of humans first heroes, and then I wrote a blog post that was published on LinkedIn that was called Soft Skills Suck, and that was tied to that podcast. And the reason why I called it Soft Skills Suck is because that just sucks as a term, label. I think soft skills are really a misnomer. You and I live in an era where humans first or people first is what it takes to succeed in business and life today. And the people stuff is the hard stuff of business. And it's not soft skills. Being an effective people leader or effective people manager even requires superpowers. So there I was to talk about superpowers. I wore blue jeans, a Superman t-shirt, And some of you have seen the picture. Yes, I donned a cape and a mask. And I was talking to the folks. Some of the folks from Portland are here in this meeting today. And I was saying, you know, even up to like 30 minutes before I took the stage, I'm like, am I really going to do this? Am I really going to do something that's this crazy? I'm like, yes, I am. And it was fun. And people responded. And then last week, I was in London for a couple of events. The first was the Employee Experience Forum. And now here's what's pretty amazing about this. That invitation really started out of this podcast. It grew out of the podcast and social media that was connected to it. And it grew out of this superpowers episode and the soft skills suck article led to an opportunity to travel to London and to host conversations, podcast-like conversations inside of a conference because people are tired of being just talked at. Even the innovative TED-style talks, people are tired of being talked at. People want to be involved in a conversation. So I use a tool called Mentimeter, and then we just had these conversations inside the conference, and it was amazing. And I had the opportunity to sit down with friends, Claude Silver, Mike Vacanti, and a new friend, Duana Blomstrom, and host conversations with them, and then host conversations with a couple of other friends who were panelists at the uh, Employee Experience Forum the next day, and it was amazing. So that's kind of fun stuff that I've done. And so I'm in London, England, and, you know, it's a little more proper there. And so I was about to take the stage to talk about superpowers, and I wondered, I questioned, I paused, are you really going to put on a mask and a cape and go up on the stage to make a point about superpowers? Yes, I did. And it was funny. I have never seen so many people whip out their cameras to take pictures of me. It was me in this garb, which was what made it so appealing. So, gosh, those were the two most fun speaking engagements I've done. Why? Because Even though I put on a mask 
to do it, I was really taking off a mask. I was taking off the mask of trying to be someone that I'm not and show up as me. And you've heard me say this before. I mean, this is such a powerful and profound experience for every one of us. E.E. Cummings, this line from his poem, to be nobody but yourself in a world that's doing its best night and day to make you everybody else is the hardest battle we ever fight and never stop fighting. So I'm wondering, I'd like to turn this on you and make this real personal. What is it that you want to do that is authentically you? And yet there are all of these ideas, these notions, these expectations that you or others have placed on you that you can't really do that because it's too crazy. It's too far-fetched. It's out there. The voices that say you need to be more reserved. You need to be more dignified. You need to be more businesslike. You need to fill in the blank, whatever that is for you. Hey, while we're talking about gratitude, there's another thing I am grateful for, and it's this podcast. Actually, it's the medium of podcasting, period. So in London, the first day of the event, I'm standing there at the registration desk having a conversation with Taya, who was the host of the meeting, and Nikki Williams walks up, and she looks at me. She goes, I know you. I recognize your voice. She heard me talking with Taya, and I turned. I'm like, what? She goes, I listen to your podcast. So, folks, this is pretty mind-blowing. There I am standing in London, England at the Waldorf Astoria Hotel, and a lady walks up and says, she hears my voice. She goes, I know you. I love that because and then we got into a conversation and we were talking about the relational aspect of this, of podcasting, and she felt that connection. So, Nikki, thanks. Now, there's something else that happened as a result of this conversation. You know, I, I'm talking about a milestone birthday later in the episode. And for most of my life, you know, not when I was two or three, but from the time I was a teenager on, I hated my voice. I think most of us don't like seeing ourselves recorded or don't like hearing our voices. And I've just always kind of resisted that. And then when Nikki said that, as I pondered that, I thought, wow, what a gift. A voice that is distinct enough that she walks up to a table, hears me talking, and goes, I know you. And then that reminded me of a conversation years ago. I was at a meeting in Atlanta, and a guy I grew up with from childhood, Bobby Darnell, he's one aisle over at the conference, and he walks over, he goes, I knew I recognized that voice. So let me turn this on you as well. What is it about you that you really don't like? You may not like, but it's a gift. So, Nikki, thank you for giving me the gift. One, the gift of connection with you that we established through the podcast. And two, the gift of acceptance of something about me that I've wanted to change for a long, long time. While we're on the topic of gratitude, there's one more thing I want to talk about being grateful for, and that's the gratitude challenge. In the last three months, we have hosted four cohorts with over 1,200 people from about 50 countries, countries I didn't even know existed when I started seeing the names of these countries. Join us for the 10-Day Gratitude Challenge, and it was truly, truly remarkable what has happened and continues to happen there. 
If you have not yet joined the Gratitude Challenge, you can do that. You can go to the gratitudechallenge.community right now or as soon as you finish listening to this podcast and sign up and start your Gratitude Challenge today and do a 10-day challenge with us. So last week in London at the Humans First Club event, there were probably seven or eight people that were in the room. So that's about 10% of the people that were there that had been part of the challenge. And some of those came specifically because they were part of the challenge. And that was quite amazing to have the opportunity to meet people in person that I had only known through our online involvement in this gratitude challenge. So three of those were Cat Hayes. Cat is the person that we call the artist in residence for the gratitude challenge. Cat I met on Twitter through my good friend Gary Turner. And Gary and I had the opportunity to meet a couple of times last week in person. And just hang out and have some conversations together and do some fun work together at the Humans First Club. But I got to meet Kat in person and then Tom Waterman and Emily Lloyd. And there were other people that were there that were part of the Humans First Club that also did the Gratitude Challenge. But those are three people, I believe, that came specifically because of being involved with the Gratitude Challenge. That is remarkable, folks. And the other thing that I want to say about the Gratitude Challenge... I don't want to make this an episode about that. I've talked about that on some other podcasts. But here's what I'd like to ask you. What is something you have, a crazy idea or an opportunity for an experiment, and instead of just taking action and doing a minimally viable product and getting it out there and seeing how people respond and what you can do with it, you do what I've done in the past, and that's overplan, overprepare, and underact. For whatever reason, when the gratitude challenge, you know, this idea just arrived one morning, hey, why don't you do a gratitude challenge, was the thought, picked up the phone, called Steve Foreign, and said, hey, Steve, what do you think? You want to do a gratitude challenge? Steve says yes. Christy Kern and Kat Hayes, the four of us, worked together to pull this off. We've now done it four times. We have it now in an ongoing fashion that you can join anytime, like I said, by going to the gratitudechallenge.community and join us. So what is it that you have an opportunity to do, but like me, in the past, you've been overthinking and over-preparing and underacting. That's a challenge that I want to issue to you. Okay, so there's one other really big thing that's kind of happened in my life since our last solo episode, or Kev Chat, and that is a couple of weeks ago, I had a big milestone birthday. And I didn't want to make a big deal. I'm just not one of those that likes making a big deal about my birthday when it's around my birthday because I'm not trying to get people to wish me happy birthday or any of that. But this was one of those milestones. You know, it, it's the big ones where the left number, the left digit of your age changes and you enter a new decade. For me, it was turning 60. So let me take you back. Dateline, Tuesday, September 3rd. So, you know, Monday in the States was Labor Day. So Tuesday, back to work. And that morning when I woke up, I was tempted to take the slippery slope down to nowhere good. Why was I tempted to go to a dark place? Well, that's what I want to talk to you about a few moments. And it's because somewhere wherever it came from, but in my mind, I start hearing all of these things. Well, by now, you should. By now, you should, and fill in the blank, whatever that is. You know, you should be more 
successful, however you define success, whatever that means. You should have more money in the bank account. As a matter of fact, you should have so much money in the bank account that you need Swiss bank accounts to shelter some of the money. You should have whatever that exotic sports car is that you've wanted. Well, you should actually have one for every day of the week. I mean, that's what really successful people do. You know, have you, seriously, have you ever gone to one of these things where you just kind of start losing your sanity and you just have all of these crazy thoughts that are just hitting you? You know, you should, you should, you should. You should be more secure financially. You should have greater measures of success. You should have written your first book by now. As a matter of fact, you should have written six books by now, Kevin. And they should all be New York Times, Wall Street Journal, and Amazon bestsellers. Man, what a loser you are. Those are the thoughts that were there. And it was like, oh my gosh, you know, it's just getting darker and darker. And I've shared with you before that I'm no stranger to depression, but I know how it comes now. And that was one of those moments that if I continued to entertain those thoughts, it was going nowhere good. So I'm going to ask you, what do you do? When you're on the edge and you sense that you are going to go over the edge and down the slippery slope and nowhere good. Well, for me, there are a couple of things I do. One of those is call out in prayer, but another one is to call somebody in person and start talking to somebody. So I called my dear friend, Mike Vacanti, and we had a talk. We had a long talk that morning. And at some point in that, the, the conversation turned humorous. And so I'm going to share the humor that we had that day because the conversation with Mike staved off what could have been a series of dark days. Now, it got a little humorous, and maybe you won't appreciate the humor. Maybe you will. It doesn't really matter. I'm just going to share it anyway. So what I said to Mike, I said, Mike, I've had these five words run through my mind, and these are words that people will speak about me at some point, and they'll be written in one of three places, and I'm wondering if the same could be said about you. The words were, he was on the verge. Now, what I hope, I hope that is what people say when, as I've heard other people say, like Dave Ramsey, well, it took me 20 years to become an overnight success. Man, I hope I'm on the verge of a breakthrough. I hope. You know, we've been pushing, just like many of you, pursuing dreams, pushing down a path for a long time and not seeing the kind of breakthrough that you and I hope to see in our business, in our life, in our leadership yet. And I'm just being really frank with you, telling you, talking from my heart. He was on the verge. I hope that's what said, you know, people are saying about me when they're introducing me. Well, man, he just kept at it. He was on the verge and we've now had the breakthrough. But I said to Mike, it could equally be what they write on the committal papers to have me committed. He was on the verge and he went bonkers. I'm just teasing. Although I did have conversations with a couple of people. There are times you and I think we are losing our minds when we're really finding our minds. And then the other place that this could be written would be on the tombstone. 
I've never seen it in a graveyard, but then again, I don't hang out a lot in cemeteries. I've visited a few historic cemeteries. I've never seen those five words. He or she was on the verge. Now, folks, I got to tell you, that's not the worst thing that could be said about me or you. You know I'm a person of faith, or you probably know that. And there's actually a piece of sacred literature, a verse from the Bible. You know, that's what that means. Hebrews 11. It's what some people call the Hall of Fame of Faith. And it talks about all of these heroes of the faith. And it says in verse 13, these all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar off and acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak like this, they make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of the land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. So you and I, we're on the verge. We are strangers pilgrims in this life, in this earth. And we recognize, as people of faith, whatever your faith is, that earth is not our final destination. So in one sense, we're all always on the verge of becoming who we are capable of becoming. So I like this phrase, and I'd much rather have these five words written on my tombstone than two others. I'd much rather have it written, he was on the verge, than a much shorter two-word phrase, he quit. Yeah, that's right. I don't want to be a quitter. I may not see the full measure of reward that I hope to see in this life, but you know what? I'm committed to seeing it through to the end. I hope you are as well. Then, let me tell you, the next week, so all of that started that Tuesday morning, September 3rd. The next Monday morning, I'd been in Franklin, Tennessee for the weekend, attending a conference, uh, tribe conference. And that Monday morning, when I got up out of bed, I was in what people call a liminal state. You know, the liminal state is that state between what was and what will be. In a sense, that's really everything I'm talking about in this episode of the podcast is really about these liminal states that you and I are in. We've left where we were. We've not yet arrived where we're going. We are not who we were, yet we've not fully become who we are in process of becoming. So we're in this liminal state. But there's also this liminal state that you and I have often many mornings. It's that state when you are not quite asleep, yet not fully awake. That morning, that Monday morning, I was just getting up out of bed, and I was partially in bed, partially out of bed, one week before my 60th birthday, and I heard this phrase. Now, it was just the week before that I you know, stayed away from the verge or stayed away from the edge of the dark hole, and I was on the verge. So a week later, there I am again, and I heard this phrase, and it was personal. It was not talking about me as a third person. It was talking about I. I will be successful when... And I started thinking about all the things that I have filled those blanks in. Will be when, that's what I would call it, is the will be when syndrome. Will be when. 
And so this dates all the way back to our teen years. Maybe you had these as well. I will be cool, fill in that blank. So there are two fill in the blanks. I will be blank when blank happens or when I have blank. I will be blank when blank happens. I will be cool when I have that pair of shoes. I will be cool when I have that car, right? Those are the things. So fast forward that from our teenage years, the stakes just go up. I will be successful when I live in that subdivision, or I will be successful when I have that job title. I will be successful when I write that best-selling book. I will be significant when whatever that is happens. And all of a sudden, just that morning, there are these multiple phrases going through my mind as I'm hearing kind of like this weird state when multiple things through years are just kind of coming back and I'm hearing the way those blanks have been filled. I will be blank. And that morning, most of it was around success. I will be successful when. I will be successful when. And folks, this happened so fast. And all of a sudden, it was as clear as day to me, the fallacy of that. Because here's the truth. If you and I, or if you and me, have set this up and we have constructed some kind of understanding that we, you or me, will be blank when something happens. Let me tell you something. Here's what I realized in a flash that morning. That day will never come. Because the moment you and I get there, the bar will be moved. And it will be further out or it will be higher. Yeah, it's not enough to write a book. It must be a best-selling book. And it's not enough to be a best-selling book. It must be bigger best-selling than the other books out there. And you must be on the top of this list and not just this list, but all of these lists. Folks, this is insanity. And it's the insanity that so many of us live with. In that moment, it just hit me. Not I will be successful when I am successful now because. I am fill in the blank now because blank. I wonder what that is for you. What are those words that you need to change? And for me, this whole idea was going from will be when to am now. Now, is my life what fully what I want it to be right now? No, it's not. No, it's not. But you know what? There are so many amazing things in my life, so many great things that money cannot buy. So why do I allow myself to judge myself? Or why do you allow yourself to judge yourself by arbitrary standards that are not the standards that you and I really want to live by? So that's where I want to kind of bring this to a close for now, at least. I want to ask you, what's the will be when fallacy you've labored under? Or maybe the will be when that you're struggling with now. And what is the reality, the current reality that's really far more amazing, far more beautiful than you can see, than you allow yourself to see? And if you and I really take the time to create or understand our definition of success, I believe it's way closer than you think it is.
And that's what I want to invite you to do. So call me. If any of this resonates with you, I want you to call me. I am in the works of planning something, a live meeting that we're going to do between now and the end of the year. Don't know the details yet. I'm going to figure that out in the next two or three weeks, then start talking about it. But do a live, small, intimate group gathering where we really start figuring out what it takes to live this extraordinary life and lead this extraordinary business that you and I want to live and lead. We're going to do that between now and the end of the year so that we enter 2020 on track for this extraordinary life. If that sounds interesting to you in any way, I'm not asking you to sign up. I'm not asking you to commit with a credit card to pay for anything. I'm just asking you to let me know you're interested, and we're going to figure this out together. You can email me, Kevin, at higherpurposepodcast.com. Or you can call me 678-744-5111, 678-744-5111. And until we connect again, I do want to encourage you to live, love, and lead with purpose because there are people that are counting on you to illuminate the path for them to follow. Thanks for joining me on this crazy conversation. I love you. Do you have a high stakes initiative that is stuck, stalled out or stymied and you're not sure what to do now and how to forge a path forward? The situation is not as grim as you think it is. We can help. Contact Kevin to explore how a winning conversation may be exactly what you need to break the gridlock, unite your team in purpose and accelerate traction. Call 678-744-5111 or email kevin at higherpurposepodcast.com.